Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, April 4th edition of the pod. And Jake, you know, as the season is winding down, the Ducks only have, you know, a few games left. The season is really coming to an end. The nice thing about these shows that we're doing is that there's just, they're nice and light. Not a lot to talk about. We can get into more deep dive hockey stuff. You know, the, the games are uneventful. It's I mean, pretty great. We can even start off with some nonsense. So why don't I just start with this? How do you feel about hot dogs? Uh, hot dogs are good. Yeah, aren't they great? I mean, they they really are. I love it with some ketchup, some mustard, maybe some onions. Where's this on going? The, Where maybe this some going? jalapenos. I mean, we found out this week that uh, Tyson Nash likes his hot dogs served with some uh, some fists, some punches. That, that's what we learned. <laughs> wow. Okay. I that's where that was going. Yeah. Um, should also point out, I have a big announcement. Uh, usually on this on the pod, I am drinking either water or maybe the occasional beverage, alcoholic beverage. I mean, today, orange juice, heavy pulp, as it should be. Oh, I, I've been told that we can't smile on this episode. It's not good for the game. <laughs> yeah, make sure you don't smirk. Oh, whatever, yeah. whatever you oh. do. Oh, smirk, smirk, sure. smirking's the worst. Smirking's <laughs> the worst. Hot dogs can't have hot dogs. Oh, okay. So if you haven't, if, if, if dear, if you, the dear listener have not picked up on this so far, a lot of sarcasm going around uh, the show. We're trying to keep it somewhat light because a pretty unfortunate thing happened Friday night between the Anaheim Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. We're going to go over that. We're going to talk about the incident. We're going to talk about what we think about the incident itself. The fallout, the what ifs, the reaction from all across the hockey world, because everyone and their mother has an opinion on this, which uh, we're going to talk about all of it. It should be should be interesting. Hopefully, you guys are ready. And then after that, I maybe we'll talk about the games themselves and what happened here and there. But the the game yesterday against Edmonton didn't really. I don't think anyone's itching to talk about that. No, I was there, and uh, I already forgot what happened. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. Yeah, I I can't even tell you who scored. Oh, Zach Aston Reese. McDavid scored a bunch. Yeah. Oh, I thought you just meant who scored the game, not scored for the Ducks. Well, yeah, Zach Aston Reese scored. Um, anyway, so let's just get into the incident. I think it's yep. it's time we stop beating around the bush. So in the third period, the Ducks game against Arizona Friday night. The Ducks are leading five to nothing, and this is a game in which you know Trevor Zegers does it again, scores a Michigan goal, which I think we should point out was. In my opinion, his most impressive one yet, because yeah. he had he had to wrap it around his own teammate, Sonny Milano, uh, and good on Milano for for getting out of the way successfully. So highlight real goal there, and this is just a game in which the Ducks are really dominant. They're controlling the play. They're kind of doing whatever they want in the offensive zone because, as it turns out, the Arizona Coyotes are really really bad and have nothing yeah. left to play for. And I feel like the collective motivation of that group is is incredibly low as as you can imagine i mean that the, their franchise has turned into a laughing stock they're gonna have yep. uh, a college arena next season so all sorts of bad the ducks are up five nothing 541 left in the third period you have something to say no go ahead i'll, I'll save it for after our whole discussion something yeah. about the game about a line in the game but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do that after yeah yeah the, the, my my job on this show is to rein you in yeah to, to keep to hold you back um, it's like I held my I held myself back there. <laughs> um, so five nothing, and Sonny Milano brings it in down the left wing, tries to wrap it around the Coyotes netminder. Puck goes, puck gets loose, and it gets stuck underneath him. 
Troy Terry skates in and tries to get the loose puck because he's Trevor he Zegras. Did I say Troy Terry? Yes, you did. Yeah, so Troy Trevor Zegras comes in and tries to get the rebound because still playing. Like the game's not over. Uh, game's not over until it's over, and then takes one little extra poke, and that is that. <laughs> that was the extra poke heard around the world. So before we get into the the skirmish that ensues. Your thoughts on the poke? Because the poke is really important for a lot of people's arguments regarding oh. this. <laughs> oh, it's the, yeah, the poke hurts you around the world. I mean, it's whatever. I mean, who, like, like, how, like how, how you feel about the poke kind of determines a lot here. And like Dallas Aikens actually brought up a really good point. And uh, I think in some of his quotes after the game or whenever Eric Stevens wrote his article, but essentially they are trying to establish good habits with this team. They right. have gone on an 11 game losing streak. And just because they're up, they don't want to essentially let bad habits come into their game. And so one of those is that you go until the whistle's blown. Play to the whistle. And play to the whistle. The whistle was never blown. And Trevor Zegers, I mean, from the angle, we can't really see it, but it seems like he saw the puck. He, and so he, he tries said to it go, was loose. Yeah, he said it was loose. He tries to go for it. It maybe was a little late, but that happens in almost every game. And the whistle goes, and that's kind of it. And then he stops. Yep. And then after that, um, so he he gives the extra little poke, but doesn't actually touch the goalie. It's just like a little motion because he thinks it might be loose. And then of course, once uh, so who was it that actually so Beagle crossed him in the back, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not getting that wrong. Okay, so Jay Beagle, who will be a main character in this story, you he, might say he's, he, he, he's the say main he's the, antagonist. You might say he's the villain of the story. Comes in might might just just might. Uh, and gives a pretty healthy cross check to Trevor Zegers' back, uh, unsuspecting, right? I mean, it's it's a penalty, it's it's an infraction, it's not allowed, like against the rules, the whole nine yards. After that, though, so let's talk about the cross check. Let's just we're going through this beat by beat. So the cross check happens. You don't see it as that bad, you, or you you think you, it's just a penalty. Yeah, to me, it's just a penalty. It, it's a dumb thing. It's hockey culture. It's the fact you you can't ho- uh, you can't poke the goalie. Supposedly, actually, he was given a penalty on that. I learned that today that he actually did get a penalty for cross checking. Yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I completely missed that part of it, but it kind of came, I think, well after that because the ref didn't actually have his arm up right away on that. But I mean, that's a dumb thing that happens. I think in every game, um, it's a dumb thing that happens after whistles. There's going to be that type of stuff. Um, it doesn't, it's a penalty. It's not something that I think I would lose sleep over. I think that's the best way to put it. It's just something that, that happens. It's not necessarily something that is that it, it's painful, but not that dangerous, I guess is the best way to put it. I think it's kind of reckless and dangerous. Okay. Personally. Fair. Cause I think coming in like that, you know, two hander across the back player has no idea you're coming. Like you fair. can hurt, you can hurt a guy like that. But I, I also see your point, which is that it's just a penalty. There's not yeah. really much more to it. Yeah. So anyway, that happens, and then all hell breaks loose. Basically, so the number one thing here that we're that we're looking at is the fact that Troy Terry jumps into the fray, and Troy Terry goes after Jay Beagle because Jay Beagle just cross-checked Trevor Zegers in the back, and Zegers is on the ground and doesn't look to be doing too well. So this is the key part. This is the part that again, like how you interpret these facts is really important to your overall conclusion. Troy Terry comes in. Kind of like almost like a side swiping, curling, looping motion, like a looping punch. But really, I think what he's trying to do is grab, get his arm around Jay Beagle just so they can get in in that scrum that usually ensues. Yeah, I I mean, I the way I saw it was Jay Beagle's hand was kind of high and was going for Terry's face. Terry kind of swipes at his arm to kind of get it out of his face. Yeah, not really I, a whole lot more than that. 
I think Terry's just trying to grab a hold of him, and you maybe. know, Tro- Troy Terry is maybe not the most. Uh, this isn't really his his wheelhouse. Is, yeah, is and extracurriculars. I think we can both agree that wasn't a punch. That that's the thing a lot of people focused on in this is that quote unquote Terry threw the first punch. That wasn't a punch. Yeah, although I mean, you could see that in the heat of the moment, the other player who's already pissed off might see that as like, oh, this guy's trying to take a swipe at me now. Beagle and Terry get locked up. They are just locking up. And then all of a sudden, Terry is, starts grabbing on to Jay Beagle. And Beagle already has his gloves off at this point. So Beagle's gloves have been dropped. Terry's gloves never come off. Terry's stick he's, never even le- leaves He's his still hand. holding a stick. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so Beagle's gloves have been off. And there's this whole thing in the hockey culture about the code, right? And one big thing is that both guys gloves have to be off for it to be a fight you even like you you when you hear the mic'd up segments right and you hear guys talking about what you want to fight they'll kind of establish it before it happens you know you want to go you want to go you want one whatever it is and so as they're locking up and beagle's gloves are off they just continue to wrestle and then all of a sudden as they kind of get back into the forefront and and terry's hands are in front of him beagle just starts wailing away on Terry's face. Like again, no punch has actually been thrown and it's actually like the one little looping shot we were talking about Terry that happened at the very beginning. This hasn't happened for a little while now. So Beagle just starts wailing away, just smashing in Terry's face and the linesmen and the officials are just watching this happening. Like there's no reaction from the official they're, crew. They're legitimately standing directly next to it. Like and, they, it's and, not as if they're far away where it's like it would yeah. take them a while to get there. That's no, the thing. They're, they're right there. If you watch it, yeah, they're standing directly next to it. It's like one of them is trying to put his arm in, but doesn't fully go all in trying to stop it. It's really weird. And then I think really, to me, just a sickening kind of scary sight is that Terry just drops, just falls to the ice. And I don't know if he went unconscious or not. I don't know if we have clarification on that, but he got his bell rung. And I mean, you saw the picture after the game, His, his entire eye, like above and below his eyes just busted up. We don't have any word yet on if there's any kind of fractures in there because the well the swelling is so severe, but that's the incident. I mean, that's really it. So to recap, Trevor Zegers comes in. It's a five nothing game. Five minutes left in the game. Maybe gives that extra little poke. Okay, fine. You know, it, you probably don't shouldn't do that, but whatever. Jay Beagle gives him a healthy cross check. Penalty gets called, and that should probably be the end of it. Uh-huh. But Terry, seeing his teammate down, comes in, tries to lock up with. Jay Beagle and not trying to fight just just the usual scrum that you see after a whistle and Beagle just goes berserk I mean literally that that's the only thing I can think of is that he just starts seeing red and has his gloves off well I mean there's no indication that Terry wants to fight outside of trying to lock up and they've been locked up for a few seconds at that point Terry is not trying to get loose or, sh- or throw shots and he just starts wailing away on him and I mean you have a player who's injured now in Troy Terry, who has missed a game, who probably isn't going to play, what is it, tomorrow? There's a game Tuesday Wednesday, night? Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday night, probably isn't going to play. Has to be concussed. I mean, I, I don't, probably shouldn't be speculating openly, but you get punched in the face a few times, your brain's probably going to need some time to heal there. Um, and Jay Beagle has faced absolutely zero supplemental yeah. discipline from the we NHL. Should, we should also add that kind of in the ensuing... Uh, 
fracas fracas after all of this uh beagle tries to get at drysdale as drysdale also tries to get at him and everyone on the ducks is essentially trying to get at him the i guess the only player on the coyotes that is kind of in the right here it seems like is louis erickson who's kind of essentially trying to calm things down as best he can yeah um that's really the, the only thing that i can kind of say at the end of that but yeah go on sorry i want to add that because people in our twitch chat were mentioning the drysdale part well, yeah, and, and for whatever reason, I mean, Beagle is trying to take shots at Drysdale as well. Yeah. So let's just let's just stick to the facts right now. No other need for any kind of uh, bigger picture stuff. Just your thoughts on what actually happened on the ice, That just the events that transpired. It's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. There's no place for it in the game. No place for any of it. We now have a player on the Ducks who's having a career season, 30-plus goal scorer, um is uh hope potentially going to be getting an extension that now is injured there is i mean here's the exact quote from uh dallas akins on this uh we're not out of the woods yet uh with troy terry his eye is still really swollen we're trying to assess the damage that was done there and it's tough when it's that swollen we're hoping that comes down over the next few days it does sound like he um he did avoid any fractures yeah, like by orbital the sound, bone. Orbital bone fractures from the sounds of it. But, I mean, here's the scary part of it. Eye injuries are no joke. Like, And that is something that it's not just going to impact you, your hockey career. That impacts your life forever. And this play, and we'll get into more of the minutia behind all of it and every kind of overall hockey culture type of ideas, but this play that had nothing to do with scoring or defend or stopping a goal has resulted in a player that is blossoming into one of the into the best season of his career potentially into a star player for the ducks it could potentially have a life altering injury for him and that's disgusting to me and not something that is okay i yeah. th- i think that's the best way to put it is that i'm not okay with this being in the game i'm not okay with this play being there i'm not okay with any of this being there yeah, I mean, I just remember watching it because I, I was watching it live, and I remember seeing the blood that was kind of dripping out from Terry. I was already just confused and disgusted by what happened, but then seeing the blood, it just took it to a different level because now it's like, oh, man, someone got hurt because of this. Someone got mm-hmm. badly hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that Jay Beagle was continuing to try, like, even after this, after he's already taken down Terry – He's skating around, mm-hmm. trying to get a get a pound of flesh of whoever he can. And my overall assessment of, of that situation is that I think Be- I think Jay Beagle had like a, a breakdown, like a mental breakdown. Yeah, like he saw it, red. It's just not normal. Like the reaction he had is by no means, by no means a reciprocal reaction to what, what Trevor Zegers did. I don't care that it's a 5-0 game. You can... T- Get your pound of flesh, get your cross check in, fine, whatever. Like hockey's stupid, like hockey culture stupid, whatever. But to then do what he did to Troy Terry, and it, it honestly looked like if he had his way, Jamie Drysdale may have been next. So I honestly, I'm questioning his mental state in that moment. It, it legitimately seems like he had an episode or he just has no self-control. I mean, because the episode would kind of let him off the hook. Yeah, I, and it just I, it just seems like he has no self control over his emotions. You know, in an, in a, in any game, sure, you and, can be ma- you can be mad that you're getting blown out, but that just was not 
commensurate at all. And kind of to your point on that, um, he's someone I think everyone said he's had like three or four career fights before well, that. He, well, you know, like there's the fight he's been in with yeah, Aaron the, Asham, the, the Aaron Asham he, fight where he got knocked, yeah. where he got knocked out. And I mean, look, we don't talk that much about CTE these days in hockey, but getting punched in the face, getting hit over and over, that affects your mind, that affects your brain. And in that moment, he did not strike me as a kind of patient, uh, you know, even-tempered guy. Seems yeah. to be quite the opposite, if anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and so just overall disgusting, overall disgusting that that was the the response I mean, we can just briefly get into, I guess, his comments on this that, that came out today that he basically said um, more yeah. or less as uh, he didn't like the play by Ter- by Zegris, and so he came in and gave him a shot, and then he's like, basically, when a fight happens, a fight happens, and you just kind of let it, and you just go, and he's like, there's a, and he was basically said, there's a way you can enter a scrum if yeah. you don't want to fight, and a way that you can enter a scrum if you do, and Terry came in essentially wanting to have a fight and that's where it happened and then preached accountability of all things and then and basically said i'm being held accountable for mine and he's like and they need to be also type of deal i don't know if it was that harsh of a way i don't know if i'm misrepresenting him so go please seek out his words so it's not like i'm misrepresenting exactly what he's saying but accountability was something he he really stuck on for a second uh before kind of adding some more and to me that was extremely frustrating because accountability for your actions in this situation is like like we just talked about this is a player that's now injured is going to be missing multiple games this is a player that could have hit the 40 goal plateau potentially this year and now he's missing games because of this and in a play that was completely unwarranted not something that should be in the game and you've gone on scot-free you don't need that you're not getting suspended you're not getting fined you're getting your full paycheck because of this that's not accountability so don't you dare preach accountability yeah, I mean, it's like, let's just call it what it is. Jay Beagle injured Troy Terry. Mm-hmm. And so he's robbing him of just games. He's robbing him of, of time to mm-hmm. increase his own value, right? He's Have- potentially robbing him of essentially his vision. Like, let, yeah. let's let's not, like, maybe I'm being a bit hyperbolic. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's in play right now. Okay, th- fair. As far as we know. But a potential life-changing injury, depending yeah. on how the eye is. Like, that is not, like, being hyperbolic with that. It's yeah. a potential life-changing injury. I don't think injury. he got him in the eye, though. I think it's above and below the eye. Fair. Yeah, but I don't think, it, I don't, I don't think he got the eye. I mean, it's still it's, dangerous. Still yes. dangerous. The it, danger the, is still there. It's the fact that they're waiting to hear about, or Terry's going to be an, a, seen eye specialist on Monday. That was the thing that stuck out to me is being yeah. scary about it. Because I mean, anything it, with the eye is scary. Absolutely. And it's it's 100% worth checking out. We just don't know that quite yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, fair. I, so, I probably should walk that back a little. So, Beagle's comments were 100% sadly what you would expect which is that oh you know they basically he blamed the ducks for what happened i don't he took no accountability for what he did um i mean these are the comments we have available you know the media coverage in arizona is pretty uh pretty light (laughs) so we didn't really get a whole lot uh, of the context there maybe he showed some remorse but anyway and so the other side of this coin from the duck side is trevor zegers's comments after the game and Trevor Zegers did not hold back whatsoever on what happened. And I think that everything he said was was true. I mean, I, I don't think Zegers exaggerated in saying that it was an embarrassment for Jay Beagle. I mean, he wouldn't actually name him, which is also kind of funny. Oh, that, that, that part was actually hilarious. Love that level of, of petty. Um, yeah. But just just really going in on, on the fact that Beagle embarrassed himself, that he's picking on a skilled player. I mean, not at all 
in in his kind of weight class, if you want to call it, and implore. I mean, he even said that it would be an embarrassment for the league, that it was an embarrassment for the league. I mean, these are not like <laughs> he's going after everybody. In, I'm in surprised he there. didn't get fined. Same, and I think the reason he didn't get fined, maybe it just didn't actually violate any rules. But does the NHL know it's kind of in the wrong here? Like, maybe. Like, like, is this kind of a a tacit admission of of guilt? That, that they have the means to, to slow this stuff down, and they don't. So I love the energy from Zegras. I love the fact that he came out and kind of put his neck on the line, uh, criticizing everybody and anybody involved to stick up for his, his teammate, Troy Terry, who clearly he cares a lot about and was really sad and sickened to, to see get badly hurt in a game and, for nothing. And he wasn't afraid to mince his words. And I think yeah. that this is a guy that is – quickly becoming not just the face of the Ducks on the ice, not just the face of the Ducks off the ice, but becoming one of the faces of the league for not being afraid to speak out. And I think that that is something so important to have in this league. And I think that while this whole situation sucks and it shouldn't happen, and uh, I, I think that if you were to kind of look back on the situation, kind of we'll, we'll get into more of that minutia, but I think the ideal situation is this, just this never happens again. I think I guess one thing that I'll say is slightly positive that we have Trevor Zegras speaking out against the league and not being afraid to do that. Yeah, and and we'll get more into it, but at the end of the day, this is a league issue. Yeah, this like the, the 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 onus is on the NHL to protect its players, and it it fails at that pretty routinely. Um, now, from a Ducks perspective, though, I think the number one thing that has come out of this that people have talked about. Uh, that even Timo Solani, uh, you know, chimed in on, is the fact that the Ducks did trade Nick Delorier at the trade deadline, and there are people, and by people I mean dozens, tens, whatever pe- number of people on lots on Twitter, of people, lots of people that I had the pleasure of hearing from for, for over the weekend, mm-hmm. including today, who, to a man, to a woman, believe one hundred percent that this would not have happened if Nick Delorier was on the team. Like, that this just wouldn't have happened. That if Nick Delorier was on the roster, because let's face it, he probably wouldn't have been on the ice in this situation, that that Jay Beagle doesn't even think to do this. That that Jay Beagle never uh, takes, a, takes a punch at Troy Terry, never takes a cry. And it's just like, maybe that's true. Let's just play the hypothetical game. Maybe that that's true. Maybe that that's possible. Here's the problem with that line. First off, does nothing for anyone. Like tr- Terry's hurt, the situation sucks, and also you can't prove it. There's no way to prove what you're saying. Well, the the only and the only piece of evidence that people will use is saying, "Well, it didn't happen when Nick Delorier was here." Okay, well, this situation didn't arise when Nick Delorier was here. The Ducks weren't up five nothing in a game. Trevor Zegers got hurt with Nick Delorier on his line. Right, exactly. So and slew footed by PK Subban, and so yeah. it's just like. The confidence in which people speak about this hypothetical scenario is kind of fascinating well, to me. And let me just kind of walk through this. Let's just say Nick Delorier is still on the team. Right. He has not. He was on Zegers's line for what? Two games, three games, something like that, and then like never games. never was back there. So more likely than not, he's not on the ice for this situation. Yeah. So th- so that's fact number one against this case is that yeah. Delorier is not even on the ice. Yeah, and, and then the other thing is, the, the secondary part is, let's say this all happens. Jay Beagle's then tossed from the game. 
people would then send, well, say then, well, you send out Nick Deloria and he sends that message uh, to the, the best player on the other team. My issue there is then we're in this ever, ever like continuing cycle uh, of bullshittiness of if you want, if you're pissed about this play, which all of us are, I, I, I think to a man, every Ducks fan is pissed that this play happened. It shouldn't be in the league. It shouldn't have happened to Troy Terry. Then you can't say Nick Deloria needs to go and do that to the other team. Because right. that's essentially uh, saying this crappy play that happened to our player, we now need that to happen to the other team. That's being hypocritical. It's not something that's okay. And that's not essentially how you deal with this situation. That yeah. That's like that. That's not you. It's not this <laughs> one crime doesn't warrant another crime. That's not how it works. Yeah. And, and, and so you can't just go and say, this is exact. This is how Nick Deloria would have stopped it because it would have then happened after that. Um, and, and so, I think that that's a key key thing to understand here is that Nick Delory wouldn't have stopped this from happening to the Ducks. I, I think that's pretty or he, clear. Or he might have, or he, like, it's just, we don't fair, know. Fair, fair, like, But like, if, if this happens... It's unknowable. If this happens, then he goes and does that to their star player. Then the next game, they go and do it to the Ducks star player because they then bring in a big or body he, or, guy. Or, or, or he just tries to fight Jay Beagle, let's just say. But like, Jay Beagle I, was tossed. No, no, but, like, in the next game that they play. Fair, there. yeah. But, like, it's this never-ending cycle but, that but never stops. My question, though, is just, okay, let's say that the the, the 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 crowd that thinks legitimately that Deloria's presence stops this from happening. Let's say that it does happen, but Deloria's on the roster, and then he goes out and fights Beagle next time around. Like, what has like what well, has been gained from that? What, what, what does that change? The injury still happened, and they fought mm-hmm. in a stage fight. And who knows, like, does that mean it's never going to happen again? Yeah. That, that all of a yeah. sudden that Terry and Zegras and whoever are immune from any cheap shots? Yeah. Like, it, it's it, just it's just a weird argument. Yeah. And I think that that's also the other point is like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have essentially someone that can then, because essentially we're just saying this didn't, w- Delore probably, you're right. We can't say one way or the other, but this, ha- pro- this could happen with Delore. It could not happen. Whatever. Yeah. But the result would be him going and fighting this guy. What would you rather have that happen or this not happen at all? And a guarantee that this wouldn't happen at all. Well, that's and I think we- the guarantee is the way that you want to go. Right, exactly. And so I guess to wrap up on the actual the actual incident, because now the next chapter in all of this is the, the fallout, because the fallout's going to be a doozy. I just want to reiterate that I think, first off, Hoping that Troy Terry is going to be okay. Yes. yes. I mean, I mean that's number one. We still don't have great clarity on that, which sucks. You would love to already know one way or another, but that's the nature of this injury. Um, and my second point would just be that this shows that the culture of the sport is just fundamentally, and I should say the sport, the culture of NHL hockey, because this doesn't happen at every level. The culture of NHL hockey, pro hockey, pro men's hockey is just broken. I mean, the fact that any of this crap any of these extracurriculars that there's this kind of like unwritten score that's that people are counting up that people would legitimately rather that, that they want to see their guy get him back get that pound of flesh back on jay beagle that, that any of this is so important is just it's crazy to me like what are we talking like i okay i can enjoy a great fight i'll watch i'll go watch ufc or go watch boxing i don't need this in hockey i don't think anyone is benefiting from this right now and you can say all you want about how oh you know this this brings casual fans in blah 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 
you know, maybe there was a time, yes, where this this was a driver of interest for the NHL. But you know what's driving? What's the biggest driver of interest? That's that's going to be the biggest driver of interest, if not just now, but in the future, is the skill of the game, the superstars. The, those are the guys who are driving the downloads, who are driving the views, the clicks that all of the younger generation is seeing. The kids that are playing hockey that are going to become paying customers and whose families are going to become paying customers, they're not looking up fight highlights. They're looking at, you know, Deeks, Datsuki and Deeks. They're looking at Trevor Zegers' Michigan. They're looking at Austin Matthews. Like, that is what's driving interest. And you can look at all the social stats that, that prove it. Um, I mean, the NHL doesn't even market fighting anymore. Yeah, there, and, there, there, there's some legalities there that could be yeah, driving that. But m- maybe that's a sign that this shouldn't be something that's there. But exactly. And so I just think that it's, if you're of the mind that we need fighting in the game, that, that it's just this this thing that's always been there, therefore it has to continue to be there, I think we're starting to see that the, the game is just passing that by. That, I mean... That, that guys don't come in. Like, for example, Troy Terry played college hockey. You can't fight in college hockey. And so, of course, he's not going to be prepared and, and not have the best handle on it. Like, just the, the guys that are coming in, it's, it's getting phased out slowly and slowly, and I think it's going to, at some point, accelerate. Well, okay. Can we jump into a couple... There's a couple of big points that I want to touch on on this. Yeah. So, I think the first one is... A lot of people bring up enforcers and we, we touched on that a little bit with Delorier, mm-hmm. but I think one thing that was brought up to me on the weekend, I think uh, is a really good and important point to make here. Mm-hmm. There used to be a whole lot more enforcers in the league and the ducks had some great ones. They had uh, in terms of that, that role, Stu Grimson, uh, Todd Ewan, the, these guys that were kind of known as being these big bads, these big, big, scary dudes that you have on your team that would were out there to essentially stop stuff from happening. Ask Paul Korea how that worked with Gary Suter. Mm-hmm. If that if that stopped Gary Suter from cross-checking him in the face. And I'm not saying that, like, I, basically what I'm trying to say here is that there have always been cheap shots in the game. Enforcers haven't stopped that. And you could even also look back. People have this romanticized views uh, of the 80s and 90s that, oh, there yeah. weren't, that there weren't cheap shots due to enforcers. There always were. That like there always have been cheap shots, and they were even worse back then. And even in the two thousands, headshots were running rampant. And, yeah. and and even though they were enforcers, you look at uh, Matt Cook, all of the things he did, Rafi Torres, all those guys. These guys were like Sidney Crosby missed games off his career. Years, or not games, years off his career. Yeah, didn't like. And there were more enforcers back then. Like none of that really stopped it. And uh, like that guy Bobsky brings up Tamus Lani and Craig Lugwood. Uh, el- or Tamus Lani was elbowed by a Craig Lugwood three weeks three weeks after Korea and, and Suter. And so kind of this romanticized view of enforcers stopping things in the past. And so them going out of the game is the reason why these types of things are happening. It's allowing the rats in the game that type of thing. It's just not true. Like yeah, and- it, it, it's just revisionist history. And so beyond the fact that I don't think. I mean, fisticuffs really have a place in the game anymore. Here's the other thing. This wasn't even a fight. No. <laughs> what happened with, like, like that's the thing we need to really make sure that we're clear about is that what happened, oh, there, bet- yeah. what happened between Jay Beagle and Troy Terry was not a fight. It went against every code. He was not a willing combatant. His gloves were not off. There was nothing that he did that indicated that he was going to fight. So the people that are just going out of their way to make this point that tr- that Terry was asking for it or, or whatever, you're a moron. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> wow, just going for it. All right, 
So we, we have a whole lot more to say on this, obviously, but I think it's time for a quick word from our sponsor. So this show is brought to you by, uh, by Green Chef. So Green Chef is a CF, CCOF certified meal kit company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're pay, pay, uh, keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a re- range of recipes to suit your preference. So they have, pre, uh, they have their keto and, paleo, keto and paleo options to give you premium proteins and vital veggies you need to conquer your day. With fresh produce, premium proteins, and organic ingredients, you can trust Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, and their Mediterranean preference packs together uh, fresh flavors and premium proteins. It's also very sustainable. You can enjoy your greens while being green. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of the plastics in every box and 100% of their carbon emissions and their carbon footprint. It's also easy. Uh, they make cooking easy so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Green Chef's pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices get you more shelf-curated flavor in less time. You can avoid long lines at the grocery store. Green Chef is so convenient with pre-portioned, easy-to-follow recipes that are delivered right to your door. And they offer 24 always-changing recipes to choose from every week. Um, so, Felix... What you, what's on the menu this week for, for yeah. Green Chef? Yeah, weekly menu bulgogi burgers. So everyone that, everyone that knows me knows I like a good hamburger, cheeseburger every now and then. Unfortunately, the choices I make are not always the healthiest, with all due respect to a fine Southern California establishment. But with this bulgogi burger, you can actually keep track of exactly what you're putting into your body, quality ingredients. It's got a sweet and savory sauce, essential to traditional Korean barbecue, and it's got a nice little kimchi salad on the side, Ooh, some nice rice good. in the actual burger itself. So wow. if you're a fan of Korean Korean food, Korean barbecue, uh, highly, highly recommend this. Yeah, that's not, that sounds delicious, and that's something that I'm definitely going to need to try shortly. Also, one thing I want to mention, they've added this recently. They have their fast and fit option. Uh, which is ideal for eating well when you're strap, uh, strapped for time. And the recipes are under 700 calories and you're, they're ready to eat in 25 minutes or less. So if you're someone that's into fitness, that is something that would be absolutely fantastic for you and really work well. So uh, if you want to, to try out some try out Green Chef, you can go to greenchef.com slash CTP130 and use code CTP130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Once again, that's greenchef.com slash CTP130 and use the code CTP130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. That's once again, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right. So on that note, I think it's time to talk about just all the different reactions because that's you know since the incident actually happened i think that we have pretty pretty fleshed out thoughts on what occurred i don't think that there's really that much more to it but the thing is with all the different reactions what people have said that keeps this train going it keeps the the controversy alive and well so where do you want to start with this i mean i think the place that we have to start which is really unfortunate is uh one tyson nash the Arizona color commentator. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I think it's pretty obviously stupid what yeah. he said, but it's worth calling out. And basically Tyson Nash said on the on the Coyotes broadcast that because the Ducks players wanted to skill it up, because they wanted to, you know, do the fancy stick, stick handling or whatever, they they should be they should expect to be punched in the face. And that's I mean that's the heart of the matter. I mean there's yeah. a little bit more there, but 
this notion that you just can't keep playing hockey until the until the game is over. That if you're the more skilled team, that you can't that you can't just keep being the more the more skilled team. That you have to somehow pump the brakes, right? I don't think that you'd have to embarrass your opponent, but you're up five zero because you're the better team, right? Well, this, and here, like, it's, and, like like I just want to say this: it's mm-hmm. the oh I almost swore. It's it's the freaking NHL. Okay, the time to care about being embarrassed or, you know, holding back. Like, hopefully, as a pro athlete, you've put that, like, you left that in Bantams or Midget. Like, if you're still worried about that crap by the time you get to the NHL, that shows a, like, that just shows you're kind of thin skinned. And well, maybe, maybe that's just Tyson Nash speaking from experience. Maybe that's because Tyson Nash got embarrassed so many times in his own career. But, uh, I just, I hate that idea. It's just senseless to think that w- wanting to pull off different moves. And apparently it's not about the Michigan, which I don't buy at all. Um, that you should expect to be literally punched in the face. That is what he's saying. That's a joke. Horrendous comment. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. How about it's, this? If you don't want them to skill it up on you, why don't you stop them? Yeah. Well, they can't cause they suck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah. here's the other thing. He 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 then followed up uh, with Craig Simpson on the Phoenix Hawking uh, something 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 podcast, and essentially doubled down on all of his comments and brought up the fact that this is a team or was about the smirking and how ev- no one saw that no, they no, were no. smirking. So the the clarification was that instead of saying the word "skill it up," he should have said "hot dog." Hot dog. Yeah, w- which, which is where you, the ho- which yeah. is where the hot dog uh, comment came from. And then he went on to say that. What people didn't see, which he saw, and I guess he was between the benches during this game, is that the fact that the Ducks were smiling and smirking and celebrating, uh, you know, after their goals or between plays or whatever. And it's just like, man, what does that have to do with anything? What did, like you're why why is this even being mentioned? Jay Shock- Beagle assaulted Troy Terry. Shocker. That's all that matters. Shocker. Team that had lost eleven in a row is having a o- good offensive game, and so they're having fun. Yeah. Shocker. Like maybe like, it's why not, is this a bad thing? Maybe it's not at your expense, Coyotes. Maybe the Ducks are just having fun. Yeah. Like this is a young team. They're finally scoring goals. Offense is fun. They're allowed to do that. And I mean, it's so funny that this like tough guy crowd gets so sensitive about such little bullshit. Oh, like, yeah. It, it, it's, oh, yeah. It's so insane that, that that's essentially what Tyson's Nash role is. So that's where he's coming from. And it's just, it, it, I, I, I really don't even understand it. I mean, I think that he uh, he represents really the issue in all of this, right? And, and one of the big issues I think that we saw in a lot of our mentions is that, well, what do you expect when you're doing this? And it's like, well, you expect to not get leveled in the face where you have facial injuries. Yeah, like exactly. Like that is just never like if this happened off the ice, if this was just in the parking lot somewhere. Yeah. Jay Beagle is arrested for assault. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is assault. Anywhere else except on the ice, that is assault. If this happens in any other league, in, like, any other league, like, not talking about hockey, but just MLB, uh, NFL, anything like that, Jay Beagle is probably thrown out for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And it's, again, it's just one of those things where why are we even talking about any of this? Why is Tyson Nash spending all this mental energy to talk about the smirks and the smiles and the... The whatever it's trying, ju- it's trying to justify his original comments, I think. Well, no, but why is it so hard to just say that what Jay Beagle did was wrong? Oh, well, the reason why is because he's. I mean, first oh. off, he's a, he's a team employee, right? He's never going to yeah. say a bad thing about the team. 
But again, all of that stuff that he's saying has no relevance, zero relevance to the fact that, again, Jay Beagle punched the lights out of Troy Terry, and, who was not fighting him back, who was not trying to fight. And the fact end that. Of, and the, end of story. And the fact in the follow up that he adds that Trevor Zegris is responsible for that. It is just absolutely unconscionable. Yeah, you're an idiot. You're like an you're idiot. an absolute idiot. The you're fact that he was given the ability, Craig Morgan asked him saying, Hey, at least like even if you think that like like Beagle was in the right for, for starting or whatever, you understood why he started, he probably should have let up there at the end, right? And he says no. Yeah. Like yeah. He, 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 he he doubles down on the fact that Beagle didn't go too far. He like he, how he, is that your opinion here? He gave him the out of all outs, which is basically like well, hey, at le- Craig Morgan did to, to Tyson Nash, which is like, hey, we all agree. Like, regardless of what you think, we all agree that what Jay Beagle did was dumb, right? Like, that's kind of like the gist of what he was saying. It, w- it went too far. And it's like, nope, didn't even take that. So it's like, you've confirmed that you're a moron in that moment. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, yep. it's just real easy. This is this is the idiot test. Congratulations, you failed. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I think we can dispense with uh, with Tyson Nash here. Any other fallout that has been of interest to you? Any other reactions? Yeah, I, I think there's the bigger picture of all of this, which is how do you stop this from happening? Well, because yeah, because as much as we want to talk about and you know bring down all these different you know dumb arguments, what we would rather have is just this not happen and not have to talk about this. Yeah, because at the end of the day, Troy Terry should be playing every game. So how does that happen? How? Yes, uh, or sorry, CJKHL just asked us, have we seen Beagle's response? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, but it, it's uh, the important thing is how does this how does this not happen in the future? How do we keep this from happening? Because we've already both said neither of us think that enforcers do anything for this. That that it, or it's just unknown, I guess, is the better way to put it. But you and I both typically basically believe that it probably doesn't impact anything, and it's this this never ending cycle of well, if we if uh, we then send our guy after your guy, and then you send yours after ours, and it's just this never ending cycle that if you have the the players police it. It essentially employs guys to go out there and essentially do do exactly what Jay Beagle did. Like it employs the Zach Ronaldos of the world. It employs all these guys that are going to do whatever they can to stay in the line. Yeah, and and I, th- I one thing I also want to add is there's this kind of prevailing thought that well the players like this. The players are on board. This is how the players see it. They they believe in self policing. And how do I say this without? without naming names. It's like, just because this is what you've heard on your favorite podcast featuring ex-NHLers doesn't mean that's necessarily how every single NHL player that's either playing now or has played feels. Like, so, have you ever thought about that? There was actually a very fascinating uh, podcast. It was a uh, Asian provocateur on the SDPN that was uh, Adam Wilde and uh, Alan Walsh's podcast. And they had Ken Dryden on today. And it was specifically about headshots in the NHL. And he mentioned this specifically about headshots, and I think it also probably applies to, to fighting overall, I think. And it was the fact that a lot of the people that want to keep it, a lot of the times when Ken Dryden talks to current players, they grew up in a in a time that really didn't have fighting. Fighting's really not allowed in junior hockey anymore either. CHL doesn't really have it. You get, I think, two fi- or three fights or something like that, and you're suspended. Just like right. regular fights, and then you're suspended. And NCAA hockey doesn't have fighting. Like yep. a lot, like hockey, fighting in hockey is a very much a it's, NHL, it's, AHL, it's ECHL thing. And, yeah. and, and outside of that, it's not really prevalent outside of that. And so a lot of the players really don't care for headshots. 
and or just contact to the head and i think it's a very similar thing with fighting the people that really fight hard to keep it in the game are the older generation that are now in the management roles because that's how it was played when they were there and i think that's the issue that we're running into here i would bet a lot of the players don't care about fighting they don't care about having that in the game still that's not something that they want well, to I, have I, in the game I, I don't know about that it, it, it's just we don't know like why are people assuming that this is the consensus have fair, you fair. is there a, is there a is there a poll like is has there been a survey that i'm missing here um well and the other issue is is that the pa is failing the rest of the players because most of the time the guys uh representing teams for the pa are these guys that are, are well, yeah. in that role and so it's not these star the, players the, that are more the skilled players it's the the more physical type well, the of middle players. class players basically yeah and, and so kind of getting back to to how do we stop this moving forward how do we prevent this from happening if we're both saying that the vicious cycle isn't the way that you you stop this the way that you stop this is by suspending guys by yeah. actively stepping in and suspending guys and making the, it hurt in their pocket if jay beagle knew that if he jumped into that fight and you just make it an automatic one-game suspension with potential for it to go to more if you become the aggressor or, or things like that, and it being reviewed every single time there's a fight, where he knew that he could potentially be missing a three-game paycheck, maybe he thinks twice about doing that. Right. Because he's now wondering, and it's the same concept of, I mean, some people will say, you really think that he's going to care about his paycheck in that moment? I mean... It ha- it's happened for a lot of guys with headshots. The same exact conversation that we're having right now about this happened 10 years ago with headshots. Yeah, and no one wants Rule- to lose money. Yeah, <laughs> and so Rule 48 came in. The guys that really couldn't adjust to that eventually saw themselves out of the game because of suspensions, whether that's Matt Cook, whether that's Rafi Torres. The rest of the guys in the league figured out how not to hit guys in the head. This same thing would happen where maybe there would be some guys that would still do it and wouldn't necessarily think about their paycheck when they're fighting but every new guy coming in would and that's essentially where i think this needs to go and maybe people think i'm crazy and i'm soft or whatever for saying fighting just doesn't really have a place i don't find it entertaining i don't think it really has a place it doesn't in my opinion make the game more entertaining this is a personal opinion right now and i think the way that you stop this from happening because that's what we're trying to do here is you make these actions suspendable because the issue right now is not a department of player safety issue because Department of Player Safety gets their uh, their marching rules, orders. their marching yeah. orders from the GM, from the NHL and the PA, and it's an agreed upon thing. And when the uh, when headshots started getting suspended, it's because the Department of Player Safety came in and they were given the decree to start suspending based upon this new rule, Rule 48. And so, if that became a thing that they are now put on them to do, then we would start to see this go out of the game. And so that's why I don't think this is a department player safety issue. This is an overall NHL issue that, I mean, Jennifer Botterall said it on Sportsnet, that why why does the league allow this type of stuff to happen? Why is this something that was not suspended? If this is something, if the outcome of something that happened on the ice resulted in a player getting hurt to the point where he has to see and an ice specialist. And it was preventable. Yes. Why do the rules not change? If this is not something that helped prevent a, prevent or score a goal mm-hmm. and it resulted in a significant injury, why is this something that's allowed to happen? Outside right. of the fact, and the answer is, is should never be because it's always been this way. That is not a good enough answer for me. That just frankly isn't. Well, and, The game and, needs to change. Well, and here's the thing, right? Here is what I would love to ask the people who love fighting and, and want to keep it around. It's like, okay, you love fighting, right? Do you love X enforcers? 
having significant mental health issues to the point of committing suicide after their careers are over? Mm -hmm. Do you like CTE? Do you like guys having debilitating brain trauma? Because if you if you answer yes to fighting, you and you answer no that you don't like all that stuff, then you're pretty much a hypocrite at that point. Because that's what fighting gives you, right? Repeated blows to the head over and over throughout the course of a career. That is how you have lifelong brain trauma. And that stuff is really, really hard to reverse. And in the case of guys that we've seen over the years, tragically, it costs them their lives. And I'm not trying to to be the, the alarmist here, but that's just the reality. So how can you on one hand say, oh, RIP Derek Bugard, RIP Probert, and then also say, oh, well, yeah, we've got to have fighting in the game, right? Like, like haven't you seen, haven't we reached the point of insanity here? Um, so I think the NHL can't in good faith say that it cares about player brain health and player long-term health if it has fighting in the sport. And yeah, of course, there's still going to be concussions. There's still going to be, you know, contact. That's part of it. But th- that doesn't mean you should just give up and say, okay, well, if we have some trauma, if we have some hitting, we're just going to let everything through and we're going to let fighting. Like, like yeah. you can, you can Ken, pick You can pick what's going to matter. Ken Dryden made a really good point. And it was the fact of some people would say, well, you're still always going to have head trauma, no matter what, if you ban, if you ban yeah. all head contact from the league. But exactly. he said, but you are significantly reducing the amount of times that it's going to happen. Exactly. And the, and the amount of like blunt force too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about getting hit in the face. Um, and you know, I mean, you watch some of these fights now, like the, the, a lot of the, it's Deloitte. a lot of helmet, it's a lot of hel- helmet hitting, but it's like that still opens the door, right? That's yeah. I mean that opens the door to what we saw on Friday night. Well, and, and, and no one and, wants that. And here's the other thing with it is like realistically, at what's the goal of hockey? The goal of hockey is to score more goals than the other team. I, I think to put it very simply, it's to score more goals than the other team. Whether that is preventing them from scoring, whether that is scoring goals yourself. A fight happens in between the whistles. It's not something that actually impacts a tangible impact oh, on the puck. Careful. Uh, the Ca- puck going careful. in. No, but a tangible impact going in of the puck going in the net or stopping it from going in your know, own Jake. net. I, I, that's not what I've heard on different like, broadcasts. People people can say there's intangibles, fine, whatever. But there's no actual like tangible impact that you can have from a fight. And so why would I want to have, for instance, and I this goes back a week when I first brought this up, when Nathan McKinnon broke his, or not broke his hand, but supposed, uh, injured his hand in a fight. Why yeah. do I want the players to be in a situation where they could injure themselves in something that doesn't actually impact a goal scoring situation? And yeah. to me, that is the thing. I get that there will be injuries. Injuries happen. Shit happens. That's hockey. But that needs to be during the course of play. I am not comfortable with a guy. I mean, if Nathan McKinnon misses the entire playoffs, how much would that suck if it happened because of a fight? Yeah, and I, I made this point on on Twitter a couple weeks ago that there was a situation late in the game. I'm forgetting which game it was, where there was a little bit of a scuffle with with Drysdale and Zegras on the ice. And my whole point was, well, yeah, they don't have Delorier, but this is just hockey. Like, there's going to be skirmishes, there's going to be scrums, and I have been reminded of saying that you know, after what happened Friday. And it's like, well, no, this is not apples to apples. Like this is very clearly a completely different scenario. That's com- just beyond the pale. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think that to your point, it, the, fighting isn't part of the game. And regardless of whether you think that, okay, a fight is going to help 
you know, create this this momentum and that, oh, it gets the boys going. People love to say that, even though they haven't played or whatever. Um, guess what? There's other ways to, to, to have to, to get the boys going. There's other ways to, to get momentum. And Scoring so Scoring a goal. Yeah, and so, like, the thing is, for me, I like watching a physical game. Like, you want to see the guys competing. Yeah. You want to see, you know, you, you want to see big hits or you want to see battles along the boards or in front of the net. Like, that stuff is really compelling to me, and it, and it makes – it gives hockey that edge that people love about it. But I think that fighting is just this stupid cartoon offshoot of that. I mean, there's always the, the point that, that everyone brings up, and yet everyone seems to, like, blow it off in some ways that – when the games matter the most in the playoffs, no fighting. There's no fighting. Guys yeah. don't fight because it's not worth it. It's the reason, not the, the, the reason fighting exists or has made it this far is because for a while it drove interest and it was a money maker for the league. That's literally it. The the guys got turned into pretty much, you know, punching bags for the for the bottom line. And look what look where it's gotten us. Yep. So not, not very far. Yeah, I, I think that it's something that the game needs to change. And I think whether you're pro-fighting or well, anti-fighting... The NHL I, needs to change. Yeah, sorry, you're The you're NHL correct. needs the to NHL change. The NHL and I think the overarching hockey culture behind the NHL needs yeah. to change. And I think that whether you're pro-fighting or anti-fighting, I, I think we all agree that the fact that the Terry incident happens without a suspension is a big problem. It's because an embarrassment. That, it is an embarrassment because that is something that player safety should step in and step well, in on. I mean, whether and, whether or not they think players should be policing or not, that needs to be a suspension. Yeah, and to his credit, I think Brian Hayward made a great point about this, which is that it's the it's the Department of Player Safety. The whole point is to make players safer. What's so? What's the out? Like how how are they doing anything if this mm -hmm. is the outcome from this mm -hmm. situation? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have a whole lot else to say. I mean, I think yeah. we kind of, I don't know if there was any other reactions or tweets or anything else. I mean, nothing else that I can really think of. I, I think the one thing that maybe to point out is I think that, and not that this makes it feel any better or worse or anything like that. I think that whether this happened to Troy Te Terry, whether it happened to Artemi Panarin, whether it happened to Connor McDavid, I think the results the same of there would be no suspension. Because yep. that is how the league views this. And we saw that with Artemi Panarin at the end of the season last year when he was ragdoll by Tom Wilson. And Tom Wilson didn't even get a suspension due to that. He got fined for that, but that was for punching Buchnevich when he was on the ice. It had nothing to do with the Panarin incident. And so this is the league turning a uh, blind eye to all of this. And it was to the point where, remember, the Rangers owner put out a statement saying yep. it's an embarrassment. And, I mean... I'm curious if we'll get anything from the Ducks like that. I don't think so. I think it doesn't seem to be their style. I think maybe Pat Verbeek will say something. Um, I think well, here, once here's here's one other point I wanted to address, okay. which is the whole you know Timu Solani, uh, look at Timu, you know, saying that the, the team needs more toughness and people rallying behind that. And it's like, I don't think that inspires confidence that you would want Timu Solani as the GM of no. the team. No, because I that's mean, not that's not someone I want right, running my team because because it that's doesn't not, matter. That, well, and that's not where hockey's going, and that's uh, it's, also, it's just not what wins games, you know. Yeah. And and the whole thing, I mean, you know, Pat Verbeek, where does he stand on all this? He traded Nick Delorier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, do, do, that, I think that's how, that shows how much he cares about this stuff. And the and the crazy thing, by the way, 
is that Pat Verbeek uh, was was no shrinking flower during he his was career. A, he was a pest. The little ball of hate. Yeah, he um, was a pest. Yeah, and so, like, if there's anyone who understands this culture, I mean, just look at Pat Verbeek's nose. <laughs> like, it yeah. sees some shit. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of what he does in the off season. And I mean, the hope, the, the hope is that they don't go full Rangers, right? Yes. Yes. And exactly. I, but I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I, I don't necessarily either. I Do think, you think that there's a you... chance that Deloria comes back. No, I don't I think don't... so. Yeah. I, I think, I think they could potentially bring back Manson and maybe like, if you want to say you want to have a guy that can maybe fill that role, have it be like a guy like Josh Manson. Well, a guy that, who can play. Yeah, exactly. Someone that actually is good defensively that actually brings you a, a lot of value outside of that. Like I said, I don't necessarily care for it. I don't think it matters. But if you're going to do it, bring in Manson. Bring him back. Do that type of thing. Because Delorier just, I mean, he's just not an NHL. Like He's not an NHLer. That's, he's not that's a driver. the best way to put it. He's not a driver of success. Yep. Um, I mean, DB Lowry brings it up in our Twitch chat. There's smarter ways to deal with this shit than just signing a bunch of big guys. Yeah, like you don't have to go out and get Ryan Reeves and whatever else that the Rangers did. Like, I don't think the Ducks need to do that. I, I would rather see the Ducks not play into this game. But, I mean, I was saying this on Twitter over the weekend, which is that, like, the reason self-policing is seen as needed is because the players are kind of forced to because the NHL doesn't do shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, granted, part of it is on the players. Yes. Like, we, we, like the I Players agree. Association is a big part. Like, like, like the players don't have to, to do this caveman thing. They, they could just move past it, but that's not going to happen. Like, that's not the culture right now, and it's hard yeah. to break that. Yeah. Um, and that's why like change has to come from the top sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's why like banning fighting, because let's face it, five minutes, that's a slap on the wrist mm-hmm. for com- considering the potential for injury and the seriousness of the offense, the, the fact that it has nothing to do with the sport itself. Five minutes is a slap on the wrist. I don't know what's 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 not as bad as slap, like a, a pinch, a pinch in the wrist. Like, I don't know. Something, yeah. so, something even a tickle. Yeah, a tickle under the chin, like just something so benign. And I just, you got to ban it. You got to ban it. That's the only logical outcome. And I think that that will happen. It yep. just, and it's just the thing is like, you can't keep waiting. Like at some point you're going to have to do this. How many more guys do you want to see get hurt before you get there? Yep. And that's the thing. How, I mean, that's essentially the, the be all end all of this is, do you want it to be someone actually having a career threatening injury or life threatening injury? I mean, SB? it's kind of happened. It, yeah. <laughs> but that being the reason for this happening, or would you rather get ahead of it? And what what are you able to accept on your conscience? Well, for that what has the fan? NHL shown? Yeah. I mean, what's the precedent that they yep. they never get ahead of it? Yep. Um, it, they let yep. the problem get worse and worse and worse before they don't have a choice. Yep. And real quick before we get into some questions, I wanted to bring this up. The real bummer out of all of this. The well, tell me. Sorry, not the real bummer because yeah, the real I was gonna bummer, say I feel like the, there's only one bummer, which is the ter- Terry's Terry. face. Something that as a fan, I guess. Um, looking at this game that is now being overlooked this was a fun game how good the tmz line was this was the first oh, full game no. for them oh no the, the, the you used the term i did the, the tmz I did line i did it yeah let's let's talk a little bit about hockey before uh before, before we begin getting some questions yeah i mean that line in that game so i mean i guess let's just really briefly the the ducks uh game God, I can't even remember what the game was earlier in the week because now that well, they played the stars. They played the stars twice. Oh, they played the stars twice, and so in the second game against the stars, they uh, they actually Dallas Higgins went with what eleven forward seven D. 
yep. and that whole fun situation and decided uh, by shifting some things up, eventually ended up with uh, Terry Milano's egress as the line. Yep. Um, and then followed that up with the Coyotes of putting that line in because they were actually very good against the Stars. And let's just say that as a line, they were excellent. And so I'm looking it up per money puck. They were 0.779 expected goals for 0.058 against. Mm-hmm. Like that's 90% expected goals for percentage. Yeah. It's almost like putting your three best players together works well. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we've reached the point where the, the evidence for that line is kind of like irrefutable. Yeah. Like that, that's your best line. That's your top line. I'm curious what happens. Well, now, I mean, I don't know when Terry will be back. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like gets laugh is up in the air. Like that's the real bummer out of all this, right? Outside of the injury is that, like you said, the, the line is rolling. And then, you know, last night against Edmonton, you kind of get the skeleton crew where they're missed. Like, cause the one thing that was fun to watch about this team has been that line. And we get robbed of that now. Like it's yeah. just, it's just a bad outcome. Um, yeah. I mean the game against Edmonton uh, to touch on that really quickly. I thought that the ducks actually played an okay first period. I thought that, mm-hmm. you know, at five on five, the game was relatively close. John Gibson, maybe not uh, not completely up to par. I mean, I don't think any of the goals, you can just plainly blame him. But when they're going in over and over, you're just not really getting any value add from your goalie. Um, and it felt like just as the score got bigger and bigger, the Ducks just kind of faded away. And, you know, Zach Aston Reese gets on the board, that's well and good. But this game just kind of felt never in doubt. After that first period, I would say the Ducks just couldn't generate any offense. It's, it's yeah. kind of hard when you lose Troy Terry. Yeah, I mean they gen- they were much better in the third period, but in that second period, it was a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, and you know that third period, I think to a degree, is the score effects. Um, yeah, that's as fair. well. Yeah, so I mean the Edmonton game, not a whole lot to talk about. I thought that, like for example, against Dallas, I mean the game that went to overtime, maybe a slightly more encouraging performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean Jamie Drysdale got as you called it, a pool pool shot goal? It was a pool shot goal. Yeah, off the end boards and then just off of Jake Ottinger. Yeah. And then the one thing I've kind of noticed over the week, I need to get clarity on this, by the way. Is it is it Euro Vakaninen? I think Yurho? it's Yurho. Yurho. Yurho? Yurho Vakaninen. Not 100% sure on the, on the name, the first name, but Vakaninen, I think Shattenkirk's looking as bad as he's ever looked oh. right now. Like him, like, yeah, him, he, him, and Schuster are just looking awful. Yeah, the weird thing with Shattenkirk is I feel like his his mobility has just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like he is just looking stiff legged out there. But I think Vakaninen has looked okay. I think like I know people are bagging on him a little bit, and maybe part of that is because he's been put in bad spots next to Shattenkirk. But he's got he's kind of like a toolsy type player. Like he skates well. He can he can look the part. Now the question is just where does he fit into all this long term? But yep, looking like maybe a decent pickup for uh, yeah for Pat Verbeek there. Yeah, I, I think he he's looked solid enough. Oh, one other thing to mention is John Gibson was back on his crazy uh, crazy shit in the second uh, Dallas game. Yeah, played real like, well. He played extremely well in that game. Was not as good <laughs> in the Edmonton game. Back on his crazy shit. Yep. <laughs> well, that's kind of the John Gibson experience at this point. Is uh, you kind of just. You get you get it some nights and other nights it's just not going to be there. Um, I mean, I, I can't entirely blame him for the Edmonton game just because the Oilers were kind of a machine 
it just felt like every time they had an opportunity to create a to create a great scoring chance, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hasn't really been. Uh, I, the, I guess the other piece of news is that Max Jones is looking unlikely to return this season. He's got that injury and the timeline. It was always going to be really tight for him to play again this year, and it looks as though it's not happening, which sucks because it would have been nice to see Jones and kind of just where he's at in his development and his rehab. Um, but now he gets the entire offseason to really kind of just – I mean, first off, now he's not having to deal with this kind of racing against time, trying to get back and relax a little bit. And hopefully we'll see him next year and see what he can do in, in a depth role. Yep. Uh I guess uh, – no, we can save this for another time. I was going to say maybe the Bruce Boudreaux thing real quick, but what, – What Bruce Boudreaux thing? The the fact that Bruce might be available in summer. Yeah, it's not 100% that he's going back to Vancouver. The question is just would you want him to be the, the Ducks coach if he were available next year? I'm of two minds on this. I think that Bruce Boudreaux is a good coach. I think he would make the Ducks better. But keep in mind, like we're talking about – we're going from Aikens to Boudreaux here. So the bar is not necessarily the highest. I would just kind of like to see a coach who's almost more at the beginning of their career, just someone who's got kind of a fresher outlook, even though, again, I really like Boudreaux, just someone that it's like you're anchoring yourself to this guy in a way, and he's going to be, and it's someone who's going to be there long term. I feel like with Boudreaux, I don't know how much longer he's got coaching the game. He's 67. Um, you know, I, I feel like he would rather go to a team that can that can really win right now. Maybe the Ducks are that, but I would just rather see kind of this next era of the Ducks really have a coach that's really tied to that identity. And I just don't know if Boudreaux is necessarily that guy. And I understand that some of the stuff might not matter and that it's a little hokey, but that's just, that's just how I see it. Yeah. And, and I think my view of it is I think Bruce is a top five coach in the league. Personally, I think he's that good of a head coach. I think he's able to adjust his style to whatever team. And so I think there is some validity to the argument of wanting Verbeek to pick the guy, um, uh, that essentially his guy, to be with the team, someone new, someone fresh, someone things like that. Uh, but if Bruce Boudreaux is the best coach available, and if he's available, I think you have to at least explore the opportunity there because I think he is that good of a coach. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with it is that I personally would love to see him come back. I get the argument for from the perspective of you want Verbeek to have kind of his own guy. Well, also, I think, I think for fans, right, it's kind of like it's a tough sell to just be going through this carousel of the same coaches yeah, over and over and over. But Bruce Boudreaux was like – it was funny. I was at the game on on Sunday, and I was looking up, and it kind of hit me just kind of like looking at it. It's like, crap, every single full season that Bruce Boudreaux was the head coach of the Ducks, where he didn't come in halfway through the season, they won the division. Yeah. Every, every single d- season, they won the division underneath him. Yeah. That type of consistency is not easy to do, regardless of your roster. To be able to win that many games consistently and whether people want to say, well, it, well, helps, the- it helps to play in the Pacific Division. Yeah, fair, but still, like, those were 100 plus point teams. Sure. They were for, good teams. Like, very good teams. Yeah. So, I, I part of me is just like, well, yes, but I think that maybe in hindsight, there's a lot of people that have changed their opinion on him. Look, all I'll say is this. Uh, Randy Carlisle has a Stanley Cup. Bruce Boudreaux does not. <laughs> Who's Do employed? Do it a third time. Go for Who's the hat employed? trick. Who's employed? <laughs> Go for the hat trick, please. God. 
please. It, it's funny that no one's even, like, Randy Carlo has not been mentioned once. Yeah, like, he's available. He's, like, he has, he's hanging out. Like, there, how many coaching vacancies have there been since he was let go? There have been quite a few. Um, and I don't think he's been considered for one of them. So, the one thing I've been getting asked about, like, on and off lately is, is Joel Bouchard, is he, is he a candidate? Is, does he have an inside track? And... Look, the the goals are in a playoff push. Like, do you think do you think that's even a, a possibility that Bouchard is going to be the the head coach of the Ducks next year? No, I don't think so either. And my reasoning is this: it's well and good if he gets the 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 San Diego goals to the Calder Cup, they win it all. He's still never been an NHL head coach, and I just don't think his AHL resume really screams you have to promote this guy i also don't think pat verbeek has necessarily ties to him where that's his guy if he's gonna bring a guy well no but i'm just saying on the merit of his resume and on -hmm. top of what you're saying i just don't really see it and i think that the ducks want to be good next year i think that that's how this thing is aligning and i just don't think you take a risk on a guy like bouchard who just really the resume coaching wise is just not completely there to to say that oh this is a guy who's going to be able to position the team to win right now. Um, could happen, but I just don't I don't trust it personally. Yep. All right. Want to get to any questions? Just kind of a quick little Q&A session. Sure. All right. So people in the Twitch chat, throw in your questions. We'll get to them. Uh, we'll go to Discord. I believe Justin's Dead Wings and Quacker had a really long question, but we actually talked about it a bit. So just want in, in our Discord already. So don't really, not really going to go through it. Just want to let them know. Uh, definitely acknowledging that it's there. Uh, JJ Stone Drums says, uh, "Would Gibson have killed Beagle if he was on out on the ice there?" <laughs> uh, I would rather not see anyone else have to deal with that. Very true. Correct. Uh, Jassy said, "Do you guys know what goes into a player switching from defense to forward? What attributes do they look for in a demon that can translate to a forward?" Hunter Drew is the example. That's a very interesting question. Um, I mean, Nick Delorier is really the only guy that I can think of that transitioned from defenseman to forward. I think it's a combination of things. I think usually Delorier is kind of the exception to this rule, I would say. Usually defensemen who go up to forward are usually guys who have some offensive ability and the coach doesn't fully trust them to be Brent a regular, a regular a defenseman. Yeah, Brent Burns. And but they do want them in the lineup, and so they move them up. And I think that you've seen that with Brent Burns, Mark Stripe back in the day was a good example of this. Um, Delorier, I think, has switched to forward as more so about the fighting than anything else. It's yeah. just easier to be a fighter as a forward than a man. Yep. So, but that's a good question though. I like that one. Yep. Uh, CCO says, when will John Gibson go full Jordan Bennington and assault a player to bring forth the energy the Ducks need to win? Uh, I'd rather that not happen. Yeah. I, I think that I think we've made our kind of points on fighting kind of clear. So uh, for those of you, though, uh, that was from our Patreon Discord. For those of you on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Crash Ponder. Uh, or if you're on your uh, your favorite podcast services, you can find us each and every Monday at 8 p.m. at twitch.tv slash Crash Pond, where you can help support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming uh, sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. You can also hit follow um, on the, the Twitch uh, channel, which allows you to be notified when we go live. Um, but by supporting us, you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. So DB Lowry says... 
Do you think if the NHL actually codified the code, do you think that that could be a sort of middle ground, i.e. suspension for guys who throw punches on players who don't drop their gloves or punch guys while they're on the ice, ETC? I mean, that's an interesting thought because the problem with the code is that no one seems to agree on it. Uh, So putting it in writing... But the thing is, there would still be a code between players, right? Like, this this isn't the, the end of the code, even if the NHL writes it down. I like the thought, but I just, like, let's not leave it up to these guys to make these I mean, decisions. The code, I mean, basically what you're saying there, or what he's kind of saying there is, you're basically writing this into the rule book. Yeah, but I don't think that really changes much. No, well, I, like, think, but, I, I think at least writing into the it helps, rule book. It, it writing helps suspend in, guys. Yeah, and that's my point, is that if you at least want to like write into the rule book saying, hey, if you're punching guys without a guy without his gloves off, that's a suspension. That yeah. gives the Department of Player Safety uh, the uh, something to go off of, basically. Um, so sure. at least that that might be a starting point if you want to go be, with that, that. That would be better than what we have now. Correct. Um, let's see. Dalton Keys asks, what Ducks players are eligible to play for the goals in the playoffs? Uh, and who, if anyone, do you think gets sent down for I think the playoffs? Only t- I think only two got sent down at the deadline. I think it was Benoit, wasn't it Gooley? Yeah. It, I think it was what? Ben I think it was Benoit and Gooley. So I think it's just really I think Gooley's already down there. I'll I'll take a quick look right now, but I, I think it's just Simone Benoit or Simone, Simon Benoit. You just you will never I that's just something that's like in the back of my head that will never go away. Yeah, yeah, because those are the only two names I remember seeing move um, on deadline day. Yeah, because the key to the key to remember is that guys, if they're on the NHL roster, have to be sent down to the AHL roster on Ben or on uh, on (laughs) deadline day in order to be uh, AHL playoff eligible. Um, It looks like on the twenty first, it was Buddy Robinson and uh, Simon Benoit that were that were sent down on paper transactions. Yeah, and Buddy Buddy Robinson. Uh, to yeah. stick around for long after that yeah, yeah. good question though uh pc main said uh question it, or he said shout out to the guy he saw at a ducks game in a kevin boyle jersey probably the most random jersey he's ever seen so his question is who is the weirdest jersey you've ever seen at a game oh god man that's a good that's a good question i don't have any names off the top of my head but the last ducks game i was at not that long ago there, I saw at least four or five different teams. Like, I saw a Blackhawks jersey, a Red Wings jersey. I think I saw a Pittsburgh jersey. It's just like, what are you thinking? Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, Stop th- it. This is not the weirdest jersey. This is not even a jersey. But uh, the game I was at on Sunday, sitting like three rows away from you, was Brian Allen. Oh. Yeah. Just saw a very tall guy walk by. I was like, oh, he looks familiar. Oh, that's Brian Allen. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so deep, deep not, cut. not necessarily a jersey, but a, a random former player. There you go. Yeah, did not get recognized probably by anyone but me. Eh, you never know. Yeah, fair don't enough. Be, don't be so disrespectful. Eh, fair enough. Uh, Sith Lord Buscemi said, what f- are some non-previously mentioned moves, i.e. not er, Chikrin, Fiala, ETC, would you like to see Verbeek do to round out the roster? I think, for me, Travis Sandheim's a guy I've really fallen in love with a bit. Yeah, I've actually managed to talk you off of, of Chikrin. You have a little bit. Yeah, this is one of my big victories of the season. So Jake Jake has been adamant that the Ducks need need to get Jacob Chikrin. And I'm probably going to write something about this at some point. But, you know, Ch- Chikrin's a good player. He's, you know, he's, he's in that age range you want. He's locked up to a reasonable deal. 
it's just that the Coyotes are asking for like an Eichel return for this guy who's like a good, just a good defenseman. Like there's just nothing really remarkable about him. Like the cost to me doesn't match the player. And so with the Travis Sanheim, I think he's older than Chikrin. Yeah, by about a year, year and a half maybe. But he's a lot better and he might not cost you the same. So I think though that I don't have any specific names. I really do think though, and this is something we've already seen from Pat Verbeek is really just got to round out that forward depth. Um, you just need more quality NHL level players mm-hmm. in that in in that bottom six in that fourth and, fourth and third lines, and and you've kind of seen it in these games. I don't even really know if the numbers bear this out. Now I should look it up, but I think just you know people give me a lot of crap for the uh, what I said about Isaac Lundestrom on on duck calls on Thursday. Or was it Thursday? Twenty percent shooting. I had to. I had to. Uh, you know, kind of eat some crow from my usual Lundestrom critiques. But I do think that it, it's really helpful for a guy like Isaac Lundestrom to play between two real NHLers in Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone. So just if they can continue to fill out the bottom of the lineup, just with guys who can play, let alone a guy like Simone or Aston Reese with good underlying numbers, like that's. You need that because that takes pressure off of your top six to just perform every single night. Yep, exactly. And I think I've been pleasantly surprised by Aston Reese. And well, I mean, they, they've basically hit kind of where I thought they were with Simone yeah. and Aston Reese. Like with I, with I Aston think Reese, that- it's funny because you watch his, you watch him play. Cause like, I remember looking up his REPM charts, but you know, when the ducks got him and it's a guy who's really, really good at suppressing opposing offense but really, really poor at driving offense. And when you watch him play, it kind of makes sense because nothing really happens when he's out there. He just yeah. gets it. He fills the lanes. He gets on guys, finishes his checks, but doesn't make any plays. Like he just, he's just a guy who gums up the game. And I mean, as a depth guy, like that's fine. If you can just play to a draw every time you're out there, like you need that. <laughs> you, you, can't, yep. you, can't, you can't have any weak links and he is not that. Yep. Uh, all right. Awesome Price asks, uh, what defines success for the rest of the season for the Ducks? That's a fun question. I would say that what defines success is just going to be, I think, just the way in which they play, the the, the, the tactics that they take, the, the lineup combinations that they use. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this doesn't really fall on the players, but I think they just need to try stuff. They need to continue to, to be creative with their line combos. I mean, now we'll see with Terry, but, you know, Put, put together a Terry Milano Zegris. Um, get creative on the power play. Maybe try to go five forwards, right? Like, just do stuff like that. I don't think they will, but just continue to play a fun brand of hockey. I think it's yep. in, in, in a way that's also competitive, right? Yep. Not just not just gimmicky. And um, you're seeing the Canadians do that very well. I mean, wow. you know, beating the Lightning Shocker. on Shocker. Saturday. Great win. But, yeah, so stuff like that. All right. Uh, M. Hendrickson, 61, said, Y'all touch on this a little bit, but what do you make of Solani's remarks on how we need a couple of domies on our roster? American Freeman seemed to think that it's an indictment of Verbeek's performance as GM so far, and while I thought his remarks seemed odd, I find it hard to believe that Tamu would be indicting a guy he just helped hire. Uh, I don't have a problem believing that Timu would, would be mad at Verbeek because like, you can help hire the guy but also then disagree with his decisions. Like those Correct. two things don't have to line up. And we've seen Timu be critical of the franchise in the not so distant past. And so yep. I, I have no problem believing that he doesn't like the fact that, 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 that this happened, that, that they traded out toughness 
And, you know, like for a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, what is that third round pick doing for the Ducks right now? And it's just like, forget the nonsense. But so what do I make of that? I mean, I just think that Solani is part of this culture that we all, I mean, that we spent an hour kind of railing against, which is the, the, the feel that there's this need to have these guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that like using up two roster spots on enforcers is going to change anything. It's going to make the Ducks a worse team. I'll tell you that much. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jin and Casey said, if the rumors are Zaka, oh, well, this is more statement, but what do you think of the rumors? I guess Zaka's possibly available. Uh, do you think he'd be a good fit with the Ducks? Ooh, good question. I haven't really. I haven't. About- I, I did have not seen that rumor at all, but uh, interesting. Uh, I haven't thought about Pavel Zaka at all. As you're and- furiously typing to look up uh, his <laughs> REPM chart. <laughs> Well, first off, I need to remember how old he is because that would uh, that would change things. So he's probably like twenty three. He is twenty four. He's got Close a close. year. He's got a year left. He's gonna be. Let's see here. He's gonna be. Oh wow, he's gonna be twenty five in two days. <laughs> okay, so he's really twenty five. Um, yeah, he's got a, he's got a year. Le- he's on the last year of his deal. He's an RFA this summer with arbitration rights. I don't know what his qualifying offer would be, but he's his cap hit right now is two point two five million. So it's probably going to be maybe like two and a half ish, something like that. Yeah. So it seems a little pricey for a player like that. I mean, presumably if you get him on a shorter term kind of bridge type deal, you're getting his best years, but is he, I guess, is he worth the squeeze is the question. I mean, it just depends on what the, the, the trade would be. What, right. what type of, what type of assets are you having? I mean, is that, is him? that the kind of scenario where you're trading Max Contois? like a like a hockey maybe kind of dis- disgruntled players type deal i mean um, that might be where it's at i mean looking at zaka's rpm chart this year at least he's i mean he's a fine five on five player i mean he's above replacement level defensively and decent at driving shot attempts not so great at driving expected goals but i mean looks a lot better than max contois i'll say that um looking the last couple years though maybe not quite quite as impressive i mean two years ago it was really really bad um yeah just not really a guy i'd be targeting spending, spending major assets on and targeting yeah yeah uh yep uh yeah jenna casey said uh sorry i was just responding to you all talking about possibilities other than chikrin and they had mentioned his name on 32 thoughts which is why it was on uh their mind um so yeah i think that's probably gonna do it for us tonight uh oh wait uh yeah uh we have to bring up the the food channel so we don't have oh god we don't have oh, a city is it is it mine oh it's, oh yeah so the, <laughs> my infuriating take on on ramen the other day <laughs> Wait, this is, go, this, go go ahead no this this isn't an actual take i just want to make Lu, this clear Lu, lewis said lewis said in the twitch or in the discord of is ramen a soup and this is all because of you. <laughs> well, is it a soup or is it broth noodles? It's a soup. Is it broth noodles? Broth noodles is a soup. The way what I is see, chicken noodle soup? The way I see ramen, first off, do we know it to be a soup? But also, when I look at ramen visually, I see more noodle and other stuff than I do broth. Like the ratio to me is tilted towards non-broth, which makes me believe that the broth is more of a support player more of a a robin than a batman and so i think going off of that logic broth flavors the noodles (laughs) without the broth the noodles don't have flavors is it broth noodles is the question 
I think it's a fair question. I I, I just want to be open. I want to be honest. And I think we need to have intellectual honesty here. That's all. (laughs) It's soup. (laughs) It is soup. Uh, Okay. I I agree with you. I'm just, I'm trolling. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I have to say this now. (sighs) Otherwise, I get backlash. (sighs) I have to actually out myself, which sucks. Yeah, yeah, you're you are because uh, yeah, it is uh, is chicken noodle soup soup. Now is cheese pizza pizza? That one I think is no way cheese more pizza rubber. is pizza. Stop. It's, cheese it's bread. in the name. <laughs> it's cheese it's bread. In the name. Literally. It's cheese. Pe- it has if it has marinara under the cheese between the cheese and the bread. It's cheese pizza. I mean, fine. Che- you're 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 entitled to your opinion. That's okay. Pizza. And I've brought this up before. Pizza was invented in Italy. Look, look, Naples. Jake. Naples. Naples has a specialty of Neapolitan style pizza. That look, is Jake. that is that is pizza at its finest. And the staple of Neapolitan pizza is a margarita pizza. What is a margarita pizza? Look, it is Jake. sauce, cheese, I know, I know, and I know basil. I know how you feel right now, and I'm 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 walking in your shoes right now. I'm walking in your shoes. I'm walking in. And I don't know what kind of shoes you wear, but I'm, I'm walking in those right now. And I just want to let you know that just because it's always been this way, we, we spent an hour oh, talking God about this. It. Just because it's always been this way, it doesn't mean it has to keep being this way. You know? just I'm in shambles right now. Just, you know. Uh, Here, uh, PC Main said, is the Little Caesars calzone pizza a pizza or a calzone? It's Little Caesars, so it's not pizza. We don't have to hide anymore. <laughs> You're just brushing off my like blatant disrespect of uh, Little Caesars. Uh, Little Caesars. Uh, is it a pizza or a calzone? It's Little Caesars, so it's not actual pizza. Doesn't count. Ooh, that's 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 a little spicy. What's your favorite hot sauce? Uh, probably sriracha. Is that a hot sauce though? Yes. It's it's not very hot. It's a. Is it a hot sauce even? Is it even a hot? <laughs> can you call it that in good faith? It is made out of chili paste. Okay, fair enough. Um, are you sure? Like, is your final answer sriracha, though? Yes, sriracha. I'd say my second would be Frank's Red Hot Buffalo Sauce. Buffalo Sauce? Yeah. I just like the regular Frank's Red Hot. Sriracha is a type of hot sauce. Okay, I'll give you that it's it's in it's, that galaxy. It's, it's made from a paste of chili peppers, distilled vinegar, garlic, sugar, and salt. Yeah, I'm seeing it's some. Chili, I'm seeing some support peppers. for for tapatio. I used to be like a big tapatio guy, and I don't know. I just I grew up. I guess <laughs> Cholula is a big one, but I feel like Cholula and tapatio are kind of interchangeable to me. Are we gonna now have turtle of the week? Also, someone's requesting this, and I think the turtle of the week <laughs> is you. What? I'm pretty. Yeah, the turtle of the week was you. You. I don't uh, know what this means. You uh, put you it should in our explain Discord. to the listeners what turtle means. No, no, they don't need to be. Just, if you want to learn what being turtled means, join the Patreon. <laughs> okay. Oh, we're getting we're getting cities. Oh crap. No, oh god. Why are you guys doing this to us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think we're good. But but yeah, you got the ultimate turtle, and I believe you tried to delete it, and it got screenshotted. No, I didn't try to. I just I threatened to delete. Oh. I, you know, you you got to threaten, you, you got to threaten the shooting option. You know, just to to get the pass off or the. It's the, the threat, like having Nick Delorier on the bench. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I threatened to delete it, and guess what? It didn't get deleted. It still got screenshotted, and I'm still in shambles and turtled. Wow. Funny, <laughs> funny how life just is so symmetrical and poetic. I, th- I think that's a great place to end. Uh... I, I do want to apologize to the Tapatio supporters, though. I didn't mean to say that you know you're you're less mature or not as grown up. I just I just liked Tapatio when I was younger, and I happen to be older now and don't like it as much. But don't 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 read into that. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to the Tapatio supporters. <laughs> look, what I've realized. Look, what I've realized with these food takes is that I I tend to like burn bridges. You bash you your take like. The thing with your food takes is I just say I like something. Uh-huh. I don't necessarily go out and just like trash it. Like I don't say eggs are trash. I say I personally don't like them. It is what it is. You, on the other hand, decide yeah, but, to say it like this is awful. Yeah, but there's a reason you don't like it, though. Like I think you just saying, oh, it's my personal preference is a cop out. It's like, well, yeah, um, no shit. It's your it's you that's saying it. But there has to be like you didn't just you didn't just fall out of the sky and start not liking eggs. There must be a reason you don't like them. Yeah, so, they don't taste good to me. Yeah, well, there you go. So yeah. that's that is trashing them. Uh, Jen and Casey saying we need a notes app ap- notes app apology from you. <laughs> why, why do I love that so much? The notes yeah. app apology. <laughs> the TB Lowry, the culture of CTB has to change. It's kind the of thing is, I never heard the I never heard the notes app apology thing until recently from Casey in our chat in our discord but uh I you immediately know what it means because it means an apology that doesn't actually that's not actually meant or heartfelt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I love that so yeah maybe yes, I'll by re- the way Lou's Lou's asking if we can confidently say if any hot sauce is good yes be a grown adult Lou hot sauces are good uh <laughs> yeah how do we feel about Tabasco it's good it's it's a lightning it, rod it's good on oysters yeah that's wow look at you look at you i'm I'm proud of you (laughs) some tabasco some lemon with with an adult adult food taste i know i have them every once in a while (laughs) you know this is this is progress you're moving on up you really are i'm i'm i i'm so much more confident now in your future i'm having a child (laughs) and 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 for you the the thing that makes me more mature isn't having a child i'm more confident in your child's upbringing now because of this take look don't ask how but the metrics do bear it out um okay we should we should wrap up as i try to wrap up as i try to we we brought some levity to the end of the show yeah i mean it was a it was a heavy hour you know so trying to end it on a fun note um but it is getting late and uh i would like to to go eat so (laughs) on that note let's wrap this thing up if you have been enjoying the show, if you have, <laughs> this is a terrible take from Liz. Why does food need to be hotter? Because spice, it just enhances it. It elevates it. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, if you have been enjoying this show and you want to help support it, you want to help it keep going, travel through the trials and tribulations, there is a great way to do so. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond for $1 a month. You get access to a patrons only discord server which is a ton of fun. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. You get to learn what about turtling, the turtle committee. Uh, you get to talk about food. We have a food channel. We get to hear all kinds of takes, called all kinds of wild takes. Uh, the hockey talk, though, is really the bread and butter. Uh, people are in there all day, every day, talking hockey. It's the best. Um, that's for $1 a month. Now, for $5 a month, 
you get access to the Discord, but also two bonus episodes where we go more in-depth on the NHL as a whole. We'll do league-wide rankings. So if you kind of enjoy the way that we talk about the Ducks, well, on these episodes, I would say we bring it uh, to other teams and to the league as a whole. It's a lot of fun. And with the playoffs around the corner, I think I think this is actually the month where we do our playoff predictions episode, if I'm not mistaken. So Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I thank you, thank you. It's nice of you to to acknowledge and appreciate me. Um, and then for for fifteen dollars a month, uh, wow. you are really, really, really helping us out, and we tremendously appreciate it. That's all at Patreon.com/slash Crash the Pond. Now, you don't have to pledge any money monthly. Uh, to support us. You can still check us out on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show. Um, Those are a ton of fun to read. They're just really heartwarming. The more uh, inside jokes you can work in, the better. We really appreciate hearing from you guys there. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify. Uh, Yes, Spotify has a way of doing that now. They have joined the 21st century. Um, You can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You can see the video version of the show, uh, which is what the people in the live stream are seeing each time. Uh, make sure to subscribe there and turn on your notifications. Now, a new and exciting, well, it's not new, but we've enhanced a way that you can support us. If you go to crashthepond.com, first off our website, which is great, highly recommend for Ducks articles. You can also find the podcast episodes there. Uh, crashthepond.com slash shop. We've made some fun new additions, stickers of our beautiful logo. I think Jake actually showed this on the last show. Why don't you show them again? Yeah, so if you want to put it on a water bottle, your laptop, your fridge, what have you, they're pretty cool. You can get them in uh, orange and black, so the traditional ducks colors, or an eggplant and jade, like Jake has, my personal favorite. We also have a turtle committee sticker. Um, we do, and which, a turtle committee shirt. Yeah, and a new addition to the shop is we've got coffee mugs. Um, and so same thing with those, you can get it in the eggplant and jade or in the orange and black. Uh, if you get a coffee mug, please, please, please uh, take a picture of it and tag us on Twitter at Crash the Pond. You can find it Crash the Pond on Facebook as well. I Jake should. Is- I do want to mention the stickers because people are saying the sticker is massive on my water bottle. This is the big size. They, I think, there are multiple different, different sizes. sizes. Yes. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll make it work for you. Um, and yeah. And lastly, here we're on Twitter. Jake is on Twitter at Reindeer Games ninety one. I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. We would love to hear from you guys. And on that note, that will do it for the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you next Monday. Have a good one. Bye.